Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Lord, we thank you for this Sunday together. We thank you for World Mission Sunday. We ask that you would pour out your blessing upon us as we hear your word preached. Help us to live out this word. Challenge each and every one of us with that which you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we've been, throughout the season of Epiphany, is always a season in the church where we meditate on the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as he came to be in our midst. More and more he showed us who he is, and we celebrate that every year in the season of Epiphany. And this year we decided to have a series called The Revealing, Who is Jesus and why did he come? So last week, Jesus came with authority. This week, he comes with a mission. And that mission uh, is not just his mission. It's a mission he's going to take each and every one of us into to be a part of uh, in our following him. So uh, today is World Mission Sunday. Historically, the, uh, the second to last Sunday of Epiphany has been a Sunday that churches have often taken to, to speak about uh, World Mission Sunday. If you look up, you'll see we have flags from all over the world. I joked this morning that those flags which are not hanging are the lands where the gospel, uh, we're not going to take the gospel to those people. Um, so, uh, just kidding. Um, but yeah, so World Mission Sunday uh, reminded me as I was thinking about how to preach on World Mission Sunday. Um, back in the day when I was uh, starting in seminary a long time ago, it wasn't that long ago, but. Um, we had uh, a chapel service every morning, and uh, each day had its own theme. And so all the students knew on Tuesdays we talk about this, on Wednesdays we talk about this, on Thursdays we talk about this. And for a long time, for the first kind of year in my seminary, uh, Wednesday mornings were the Wednesday for missionaries to come and visit. And this was always something we looked forward to. Uh, when we saw, oh my gosh, there's a missionary coming from that part of the world and from that part of the world. And uh, I was always really eager to hear some exciting stories and uh, was always then surprised when we heard no stories. In fact, every missionary, it was like an ongoing theme, and by the 10th time it was no longer funny, uh, where they would basically be preaching like, we've got to bring Jesus to the world, so you're either a missionary or you're paying for the missionaries to go. And it is very true uh, that we should be sending missionaries, but it felt like very repetitive. Uh, and we were like, tell us some stories. Come on, share with us your mission field. And uh, so the irony of this story is that uh, I went to seminary in Germany because I was called to be a missionary in Germany to a place where uh, it was once a country that was a strong hold of Christianity, once a country where the Reformation got started, where the gospel went out to the whole world uh, again in, in new fervor. And now it's a place where only 1% of the country uh, go to church, care about church. And uh, this was shocking to me. I came to Germany expecting the land of Luther, and instead I found a land of beautiful museums. And uh, so I was called to be a missionary with my wife uh, and decided to go to seminary in Germany instead of here in the mission field. And uh, so as I was sitting here um, listening to the need to go out to all the nations and preach the gospel, I was a missionary in the midst of this place trying to share the gospel with Germans who have uh, in many ways seen the church be decimated by secularism. 
And so uh, afterwards, when we would drink coffee, people would ask me, like, how did you feel about that? And I would say, I'm concerned. Like, I feel like we're missing something. Like, we keep inviting missionaries to come talk about the need to take the gospel to other nations, and we're not talking about the need for us to take the gospel to this people around us. Uh, and so a lot, at the beginning, a lot of my friends were like, you're crazy. And uh, by the end of it, they were like, no, this, this makes sense. Uh, and I've seen in the last uh, 50 years or so in our culture, there's been a growing awareness that, the, that things have changed a little bit. In fact, a lot. Uh, it used to be that uh, in the West, we lived in a place that was predominantly made up of Christian people who go to church or who know church. So if they don't go to church, it's because they know, you know, they know what it's about and they've decided to not go to church. Things are changing around us drastically. So uh, as this awareness has increased that the world is changing and that it isn't the way it used to be, uh, we now find, even here at Church of the Redeemer, that if people come into our church who have not been, uh, you know, Christians act actively participating in the church, you can no longer assume that they know what we're talking about here. In fact, when I'm here talking about missions today, they might be like, what are you talking about uh, with us? So um, this is a reality that we need to face as a church. At the same time, we, uh, we are facing a world where uh, the world is getting a lot smaller. And so it used to be that uh, you would go to a faraway people group and share the gospel with them and then come back to people who mostly look like you. Well, look around this church today at how many people don't look like you, don't talk like you. Um, I thought about, uh, for this sermon, how nice it... I, I to toyed with the idea, and then I decided I didn't have enough time for it, to do a survey of our people and see where are you from and put up a map in the world and shock you with the diversity of our church. I thought about taking a survey, where do you have connections in the world of people that you actively are in relationships with that you talk to on a regular basis? I think if we put up a map like that, you would be amazed. And uh, so as we are coming to terms with the changes of the world around us, you know, uh, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about the fact they're literally building, every day I drive to work, I pass a hangar that is going to be for a new jet company where they're going to build jets that will take travel time from here to Europe down to like 30 minutes or something crazy like that. It'll go from three hours. Okay. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> so we're going from, thank you, you're, I'm very glad you're here. Um, we're going to go from eight hours to Europe to three hours. Like, the world is getting smaller, and as we look around, uh, the world is a lot more international than it used to be. And so, at Redeemer, they've uh, recently decided, in addition to my assistant rector role, uh, they said, we would like for you to step into an, another role in your job, which is uh, called the Canon for International Ministries. And so, as Canon for International Ministries... I have a diverse role here on our staff because I'm focused on mission work at the local level to peoples of every tribe and nation in our midst. I'm focused now on the diocesan level as the initiative leader for every tribe and nation in the diocese, and I'm focused on a partnership in Rwanda and now uh, kind of spearheading the, uh, the team that focuses on our partnership in Rwanda with uh, four other churches in our diocese. 
And meanwhile, I also was a missionary in Germany, and so I continue to be near, uh, that continues to be an ongoing connection for me in my heart. And as I look around this room, I see there are so many people who are missionaries who used to be somewhere else and who have, uh, who have landed back in Greensboro, North Carolina. And it's just an amazing thing to see how um, internationalness is no longer something that's far away. Right? So Canon for International Ministries is almost a misnomer in that sense because I can tell you the international is in the room with us right now. The world is getting smaller and we need to wake up to that. And so for World Mission Sunday today, um, I'm also not doing which, what I wanted for those people to do of share a lot of wonderful stories. If you want to hear stories, I have plenty of them. Uh, but I'm here to appeal that we as a church take seriously the mission that we are called to do in a changing world, that we be a missional church in the changing world. So back in the day, they would separate. Mission was something that might have been a department in the church, right? So you would say, okay, we've got children's ministry, we've got youth ministry, we've got pastoral care ministry, we've got, um, you know, you name it. Uh, and then we've also got a missions department, right? And they focus on the mission work that needs to happen. Some, some churches had a more robust mission department than others. Um, but as Christendom has been replaced with this internationalness of the world today and this changing dynamic of Christianity in the culture around us, a lot of theologians and preachers have started using the term missional church. So rather than saying mission is something that the church does amongst many other things, they're saying the church is at its core missional. And the reason is, and that's what the sermon is about today, because God is on a mission. God is doing something in the world. Jesus Christ, when he came to the world, he came with a mission, which is the mission that's been going on in the Bible since Abraham and long before that, that says, you will be a blessing to all the nations, right? That has always been the story of the Bible, that God is seeking out to live amongst his people, that people will include the people of Israel, and that will go from Israel to all of the world. So God is on a mission, and we are part of his mission as the church. This is missional church. So Tim Keller, a famous pastor who I uh, really enjoy, who recently passed away, he said, the church does not simply have a missions department. It should wholly exist to be on mission. Everything that it does is mission. Another website I was reading, it said, this key distinction, it clarifies the difference, and so the distinction is missional church, okay? It clarifies the difference between a church with a missions program and a missional church. A church with a missions program usually sees missions as one activity alongside many other equally important programs of the church. A missional church, on the other hand, focuses all of its activities around its participation in God's agenda for the world. God's mission must form and inform everything we do as a church. All activities of our church must be catalyzed and organized around what they call the Missio Dei, the mission of God. And so it doesn't matter what department or ministry we are talking about. Everything we do here at Church of the Redeemer is shaped and formed by the mission of God. The title, That is Why I Came Out, Jesus' Mission. This is something which speaks to every aspect of our church today. And so... In my capacity as canon for international ministries, I'm tasked in a unique way with mission at our church that's very specifically targeted at uh, the diversity of 
every tribe and nation on a local level, a diocesan level, a, a national, uh, international level. But it is important to me, and I see that as part of my role, that our church is and remains a missional church, whatever the practical steps we have to take in the life of developing our ministries. And so today, that's what I would like to appeal to our church, is to continue being a missional church, to allow this mission of God to shape and form every aspect of who we are as a church. And so how do we do that? Well, here in this passage uh, in Mark 1, open up with me uh, if, you, if you have a Bible in front of you uh, that you'd like to have, have an eye on. Um, so in Mark chapter 1, the first part of our passage today is kind of finishing up what we talked about last week. And so in verse 29 you have this scene as soon as they left the synagogue. So they've just left the synagogue in Capernaum, and now they're heading to the home of James and John, to the home of Simon and Andrew, which is the, uh, the headquarters, so to speak, the mission headquarters of Jesus' ministry at this time. So we all know that Jesus, uh, he uh, was born in Bethlehem, right? And then he went from Bethlehem. And where did he go after Bethlehem? Anyone know? Egypt lived in Egypt. Uh, some of our people here in this room have been like Jesus and lived in Egypt, am I right, as refugees? So they go to Egypt. They uh, stay safe from Herod killing all of the uh, potential Messiah babies that he's afraid of. And then eventually he lands in a city called Nazareth. But as Jesus launches his ministry, he, he ends up moving to Capernaum and, and kind of establishing it as a mission center for, for the first part of his, uh, his three-year mission. And so what he's doing is he's stationed in Capernaum and he's going around to the, to the neighboring areas and spreading the gospel. And so this passage today that is taking place after the synagogue in the home of Simon and Andrew, this passage is uh, giving you a picture into what I would describe as the launch of his ministry in Capernaum, in this headquarter cities. And it's basically the dream of any church planter, right? So if you go to church plant training, they'll tell you like a couple things. They'll tell you you need to make sure you have critical mass before you launch, right? And I know Dan's nodding his head because that's the big thing that church planters do wrong is they launch before they have critical mass and then it often leads to, uh, to not enough people for your ministry. Uh, so critical, they have critical mass. They have... Um, they have people who are eager and ready to spread the news about this work. And so this perfect launch happens in the disciples' hometown. And so how amazing would that have been for them to see the, the, the work that's happening with their neighbors, with their families, and with their friends. And of course, they don't want it to stop, right? They want it to keep going. They want it to keep, they want to see the power of God continue to shape and change the lives of the people in Capernaum. But at this point, after this experience, Jesus takes time to discern his ministry in light of the big picture. And so he, he withdraws and he goes to take a time of reflection. And I must say, I'm fascinated by the humanity and the divinity of Jesus in this passage. Because he's God incarnate, and yet he's saying, I need to take time to slow down and reflect on this ministry that I'm doing before I take next steps. And so as he does that, he reflects in light of his mission. This is why I came out. I have other work to do. I need to move on, right? And so with the disciples, uh, he says, we're going to move on to the next station. Uh, 
So what can we learn from this? It is essential for each of us to discern our place in the ministry of God. What does that mean for us as a church, as a family, as an individual? That we discern, we discern in light of his mission what we are called to do to be a part of that mission. Uh, we actually uh, require something of our staff members that I think is really smart, and I would encourage you to think about it as well for your life, that we tell our staff members you need to take a quarterly retreat uh, to go and to reflect on your ministry in light of the bigger picture. And I think a lot of us are going, Jared, when am I going to have time? I've got you know, diapers to change. I've got uh, you know, work to do. I've got to come home and and, uh, and get the work done at home. The laundry hasn't been folded in a couple weeks. Uh, it's just piled up there in the corner. And you're trying to tell me I need to find time to go you know, reflect and take time to see the bigger picture. But if we want to be a missional church, if we want to be a missional people, we have to reflect on the bigger picture and not just act out of the normal day-to-day of life. If we don't have clarity of our bigger picture we will do one of three things. So one option is we get stale. I think a lot of us know what it's like when church gets stale, right? They just do what they do because it's what we've always done, and we just are going through the status quo day-to-day of normal life. And sometimes that's a beautiful thing, and sometimes that staleness uh, isn't good. Uh, Another option, we get distracted. We spend all of our time and energy on that thing which is more obvious to us in the moment, but isn't in light of the big picture. And so we are wasting, in a sense, we're wasting our time, right? Because we're, we're saying, uh, another phrase I really like that, um, that Dan's been using a lot with our staff is low-hanging fruit, right? Think more deeply about the fruit. Don't just take the low-hanging fruit, right? The easy option. Like, have the bigger picture in mind. And then uh, the other option is that we, um, without the big picture in mind, that we... Uh, basically um, cause more harm than we cause good, right? So we, we work so hard on this thing that is um, distracting us that we actually do damage to the bigger picture. And so it's really important that we have clarity of mission. I wanted to share with you a story that I think is really interesting, also in light of the fact that Redeemer is now a cathedral uh, I just found it ironic that this story has been used a lot. In fact, after I preached it this last, ser- uh, this last service, a lot of people came out and talked to me on their way out and said, I know this story, here's another version of that story. So apparently this story has been shared before. Um, in the 1660s, uh, St. Paul's Cathedral in London burnt uh, pretty badly and needed to be rebuilt. And so they hired an architect whose job was to revitalize this cathedral and get it back to where it needed to go. And so he was one day uh, taking a look at his uh, cathedral building project and seeing that there was a vast difference of attitude and approach amongst his workers. Right? So he found, uh, he kind of analyzed three specific workers in particular that he shared about with others. And this story has then been passed on now for a couple hundred years. Um, basically, the one worker, he goes in and he says, um, what are, you, what are you doing? And he says, I'm laying bricks because I need to feed my family. Okay? So this is one option. The next option is, I'm building a wall because I'm a wall builder. That's what I do. And the third option is, I am building a cathedral to the glory of God. 
And this third guy, as he was talking to him, he was realizing he's more excited and he's more passionate than any of these other employees that he's worked with because he has the big picture in mind. He's saying, this project that I'm doing, it is, it is going to glorify God. It is going to, uh, it's meaningful work. So the one guy, he's concerned about his family, which is a good concern to have. He's concerned about the, the needs that he's feeling. And so he's having a hard time having the bigger picture in mind. The other guy, he's so focused on his task at hand that he's not seeing how it fits into the wider cathedral. And this third guy, he sees the big picture and it shapes him in a way that they then promoted him to be a leader of this project, said, you're the next boss of this team. Um, but after the, last series, uh, after the last service, someone came up to me and said, Jared, I just want to share with you something interesting that I used to share when I would tell that story. Uh, she said, your average cathedral would take 400 years to build. Right? And so, so many people, they would build that cathedral and never see the end result. Right? And so, sometimes missional work, whether it's at home, whether it's at your work, your job, whether it's at the church, it can feel that way. You're like, I've been working so hard on this and I don't see the results. When I think back to my time in Germany, I did not see a lot of conversions happen in my ministry in Germany. In fact, now I've been amazed to hear how many things God is doing now that we left right? And I'm like, maybe we were the problem. No, but I've heard of people that, uh, whose lives we touched that now God is doing something in them that I was like, man, why didn't that happen back then? And so it can get discouraging, but this is why we need to have the big picture in mind in whatever work we're doing and see how it fits into God's mission for and in and with and through us. So the next uh, point that I want to point out about Jesus's uh, methodology here is clarity of calling. So Christ is called to a specific mission and he brings his disciples with him. Uh, It is not a question of whether we are called to be on mission with Jesus. The question is what part do I have to play in this story? So as we discern our place as a church in God's mission, each of us has to also ask our question, where am I in all of this? And it's really interesting, if you take a look at this story, obviously the disciples are the main characters, right? They're the ones coming to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, we need to go do more work in Capernaum, they're calling for us, and he says, no, we're going to move on to the next place. And so uh, often, as is the case with the Bible, it sometimes takes a little more creative imagination to think about all the other people in the story that aren't named, per se, by name. Uh, I don't know if you've watched uh, The Chosen, Uh, Some of you are nodding. It's a wonderful show. Uh, Now it's on multiple platforms, too. So if you want to stream it, it used to be you had to go through only this one app, and now it's pretty easily accessible. But The Chosen is something that some people love, and I've heard some people hate. Uh, I've always enjoyed it. I don't think that it's just the Bible in video, right? Um, But it's a wonderful commentary in a visual sense on the scriptures that always points out things to me that I've never thought about. Right? And I do this as a career. Right? I read books all the time. I try and wrestle with what the Bible says all the time. But even when I watch this show, I'm like, man, I've never thought about it that way. And so in The Chosen, uh, they, will, they will go off on little conjecture tangents kind of from the biblical story and show you stories of people whose lives were touched by Jesus as, uh, as if it you know, might have happened. And uh, so one particular story that stood out to me was the story of the father of James and John, right, who come up in this passage. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, 
Jesus comes to them and he says, follow me, leave your fishing behind. Well, what happens when they leave their fishing behind? It kills his business. He, that was his family business, right? So Zebedee's like, man, I've spent my entire life building this family business as a fishing company, and you just took my sons from me, and I guess I might need a different job, right? And so they form, uh, in the show, they kind of show, they show him chewing on what God's calling him to do now in this picture. And so he uh, goes on to actually invest his money from selling his fishing business into a different business and then using that money to support the ministry of Jesus in Capernaum and in wider areas. And I just thought that was a fascinating exploration. But there's so many people in Capernaum who Jesus touches in this story who then stay in Capernaum, right? So some of them, he says, you're coming with me, and others of them are going, what are we going to do now about what just happened in the city of Capernaum, right? The ministry did not stop. The missional ministry did not stop because Jesus was gone. It continued. And so as we reflect on our callings and our roles in the mission of God, we have to ask the question, where am I, what is my calling in this picture? How do I live out missional church, whether I'm called to the mission field somewhere else or I'm called to the mission field here in Greensboro, North Carolina? For every John, Peter, Paul, and Timothy, you have hundreds, if not thousands of people in the Bible who are left behind living out the ramifications of what they shared when they were in this place. And that's the same today. So whether you are called to a more directly missional role or not, I would just want to share with you, 1 Corinthians, it speaks of different spiritual gifts within the body of the church, some of which are more obviously missional than others, right? But nonetheless, all of these gifts are part of the church living out its ministry as a missional body in the world. Ephesians 4, it describes different aspects of church leadership with apostles, prophets, and evangelists who are focused on expansion work. They're taking, they're taking the church into new places and new ministries, and then you have pastor teachers who are focused on developing those ministries in those places of existing churches. In the book of Acts, you have different types of ministry within the life of the local church, right? So you have teaching, and you have prayer, and you have also serving needy people, uh, and uh, you have uh, pastoral care in many ways of those people. Um, sorry, I just had to give Ashley Davis a little nod over there for all the work she does. So there's a diversity of calling in the church, and it's important that we do not neglect our part in that. And so if we have clarity of the bigger picture, if we have clarity of the picture as it pertains to me, the next question is, what am I going to do with this? And that's the third step uh, here. As Jesus takes time to discern and reflect, he then tells the disciples, we're moving on to the next city. This is why I came we are taking the next step. We're leaving Capernaum and we're going into new places. Eventually, discernment time is over and it's time to act and execute our mission. So for some of us, the, the clarity of action is easier or more natural than others, right? And so as I talk about needing to take time to reflect on the bigger picture, I have to admit to, admit to you that's not something I'm particularly gifted in. Right? So I'm uh, someone who, uh, I'm, I feel called to action. And I have a hard time, I start to get real itchy if we're, if we're not doing something with the work that I feel like God is calling us to do. And so for me, having quarterly retreat days on the staff has been such a gift to say, Jared, you need to slow down and think about this in light of the bigger picture. 
For others of us, it is, um, it's really challenging to step out of that discernment, out of that reflection, and go into the next step of what God is calling me to do. So my question for you today is, where is God calling you to slow down and reflect? And where is he calling you to stop reflecting, stop discerning, stop thinking, stop strategizing more, and move forward with the next step that God is calling you to do? And so each of you, as I speak, you know who you are in this picture. And uh, I, I hope that God can show you what the next steps are for you. There's a great book I've been using to share with the people I supervise here at Redeemer. I'm going to share it with you today. It's called The Seven Acts of Courage. It's about bold leadership by a guy named Robert Staub. When I first read the book, I didn't like it very much. It was kind of too poetic for me. It's like, let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. But uh, it, he talks about three categories within those seven acts of courage. Three categories. So the first category is it takes courage to actually dream, to dream your dream to have a big picture in mind, to see where you want to go with your life. Whatever ministry, whatever chapter, whatever specific task that you have in mind, it takes courage to do that because that's a change of the status quo. And so for some of us, uh, that courage is, uh, is hard to come by. It also takes courage to be corrected in your dream, in your vision, in your understanding of your mission. And this is where we need each other, right? I need you to come to me and say, Jared, I love your heart for this. I love your vision for this. But hear this feedback on your vision. Maybe we could tweak it a little bit. I need that from people or else I will easily go off track. And we also need courage to act on these visions and on these dreams. So I just want to close out today as we seek to be a missional church who have clarity of mission clarity of calling and clarity of action. just want to take a moment to give some practical observations from my perspective as Canon for International Ministries. Um, so the first thing I want to share with you today is that healthy churches are, are missional churches. And so missional, being missional is, is not an option if you want to be healthy. Okay? So those churches who have lost sight of the big picture that God is calling them into, they will ultimately struggle in the long run. It might be okay for a little while, but we need, we need the mission of God for our church. And often this missionalness is on different levels at the same time. It is helpful for churches to be missional on the local level and to have partnerships outside of the church that help you to be inspired and to think differently about your work. Otherwise, you start to get in this perspective of it's just me and Redeemer against the world. When Abby and I were church planning in Frankfurt, uh, we often had this feeling of um, it's just us against the world. Now, I was part of an evangelical alliance meeting, and I would go and I would hear what God's doing through other churches, but often uh, for our members, and I never realized this, it wasn't until we came back and Abby was like, I felt like when we were Frankfurt, we didn't have any connection to other people. And I said, I can name you like five names of pastors and their churches that I was inspired by. We need partnerships outside of the local church to inspire us for the work that God's calling us to do here. If we don't have those, we won't be healthy in the long run. Now, Redeemer is in this department actually one of the most complex churches I've ever been a part of. And so as you hear that, you hear some of you are like, you know, 
Jared, like, we're, we are way beyond what you just said. Like, we've got so many partnerships, we don't know how to handle it, and you're probably right. But Redeemer is one of the most complex churches in this department, and it's actually a very beautiful thing and a challenging thing at the same time. Most churches are able to handle a certain niche of ministry. And so some churches, they'll be like, we do college ministry really well. Some churches will be like, we do refugee ministry really well. Some churches will be like, we do, um, yeah, we do healing prayer really well. At Redeemer, we're like, we've got a big pot of things we do really well, and we're just keep, sometimes we just want to add more into that pot, right? And so it, it, it's a challenge. It's both a beautiful challenge that excites me. Um, I can tell you I would have a hard time if it wasn't that way. And at the same time, it's a really challenging thing that we need to, to always come back to the big picture. Clarity of mission, clarity of calling, clarity of action to be a healthy church. So how do we stay strong at home and together in community? This is another thing. A church like Redeemer, we've got so much going on that you're like, how am I supposed to be strong in my day-to-day life of going to my job, having a good family, having, uh, you know, living out my mission in my home, not just at church on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights? I can tell you, when we have staff meetings, we try and remind our staff we don't want to have a meeting at the church every night. We will not be a missional church if we have a meeting at the church every night, because mission is both at home and together as a community, whether it's here in this building or somewhere else in this mission field that God's called us to. Uh, Redeemer is in such a strong way, locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally connected. Um, It's a beautiful thing. Uh, so how do we continue uh, well in this? That's something we need, we, need, we need the church to be in this process together. Clarity of mission, clarity of calling, clarity of action. So another point I want to point out is it's super easy because there's different callings within the life of a church. It's super easy for, for this calling and this calling for, you know, let's say someone is super gifted at, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start new ministries, and someone else is super gifted at saying, slow down, like we need to make sure we can afford this, it's super easy for these roles to start uh, resenting each other and to start struggling with each other, right? And sometimes this even happens, you know, I'm looking out at some of our married couples and I'm thinking, I could see this happening at home too, (laughs) right? Um, So how do we respect each other's roles and not be frustrated with each other but work together for the good of the big picture? Um, I think this is challenging. And I think Redeemer's been through a lot of transition in the last couple of years of leadership, and that sometimes in the midst of those transitions, um, it, can be, it, it can be something where we get frustrated with each other, um, where some of us in the room are frustrated with some others of us in the room, and that's okay. Like, we've got to fight for the big picture of wh- who we are as a church. Um, also, I think it's really important to say, like, sometimes you will be called to something that the church is not called to. So you'll say, I am called to this. God put this on my heart. And the church isn't called to that. And so at that point, it can be really frustrating. If like, the church is not doing what I feel like God has put on my heart, so I'm frustrated with them. And I think this is where we need to help each other. The church has to have a collective mission, a collective clarity of who, what we can achieve here together, but also we don't want to just lock you down and say your, your entire life consists of Church of the Redeemer. You have no freedom to have your own dreams and your own ideas. We want to help you in this together. So let's work together to 
discern in community well. So the next step, I think, I just see there are people in this room who God is going to call out of our church at some point. And some of us are scared when I say that because we have just gone through this transition and we're like, we've got to have a strong leadership. There are some of us in this room who will be called to be a missionary to another church plant in our city, another place in our country, or maybe even go, you know, I'm, I, I'm crazy enough to say this, like, I, I would love someday to have multiple missionary families sent from Redeemer. I don't know how we would afford it right now. Like, but I dream of that, right? Um, so, our vision at Redeemer is to be sustainable in our structures and raise up leaders. And that's going to be an interesting tension because we're going to hire people who we then send out, right? Um, Zach is new to Redeemer still a little bit. He's kind of finally making you know, his ground. I don't know where Zach's going to be two years from now. You know, I don't know if he's going to say Redeemer's where I'm called to stay or if he's going to be like, I'm planting another church somewhere else. Or We have no idea what God is going to do, but we're excited about that. And that's what we're trying to do with him as a curate. I'm sorry to call you out, Zach, in front of everybody. Um, but we have to form leadership in our church that we can then share with the world around us. If we hold on to people with white knuckles, it will not go well in the long run. And so I'm excited as I look at our church to see the talent that we have as a church. And I'm curious what God is going to do. In the long run, we need to be clear we need solid clarity and diligent in all three of these steps in order to make sure that our missional work here as a church has the best impact that it can have. So let's be clear together and let's be excited of what God is going to do in and through us to serve his purposes as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you would give us clarity of mission, clarity of calling, and clarity of action. Help our church to not lose the big picture. Help our church to be sustainable in the immense amount of things you've put in our midst. Help us to be a missional church who has a good impact in all the things that you are calling us to do. And for those who are discerning their role in all of this, help us to be a place where we can discern these things together. In Jesus' name, amen.